Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Razia Athman. I work at Vision Group as a multimedia news producer and also a podcaster who heads the Vision Podcasts. And in fact, the Vision uh, Podcasts are the mother of this uh, space that we normally uh, hold every Tuesday at 8 p.m. So thank you so much for joining us here. I uh, will have to introduce my co-host Samuel Nkuba. He's our reporter and podcaster based in Kalangala. So he's always on the islands moving around the 80 or so islands in Kalangala district. So thank you so much uh, Samuel for joining us. And of course, I want to appreciate Dr. Gladys Ato for also joining us tonight on this space, and she is our guest. And today we are going into a topic that is normally before us, before our eyes. It's everywhere. We interact with it all the time, but hardly discuss. And I'm really happy and feel glad that we are able uh, tonight uh, to ask, can you see the blind spots in Uganda's health uh, care? So we want to understand uh, avoidable blindness. And when we talk about uh, routines, it's very common for us to talk about skincare routines, uh, he health and beauty, but we hardly mention uh, eye care uh, routines. And did you know that uh, cataract and trachoma are the number one causes of blindness in Uganda, and also that 57% of blindness uh, is due to cataracts. And did you know that 7 million people in Uganda are at risk of suffering from trachoma? And did you know that 4 in 10 Ugandans has an eye defect? And uh, there has also been an increasing uh, you know, rate of eye defects in Uganda, yet uh, these conditions are avoidable, which is why we have Dr. Gladys Ato, who is on a mission to fight preventable blindness in Uganda. And she is one of the only 45 ophthalmologists in Uganda. And tonight she will be highlighting her own uh, practice, how far she's come, uh, the issue of access to health care, uh, self-care, which is why most of us are here, I'm sure. And I want to also look out for things that we can do individually as adults and even the things that we can do for our children and toddlers in just trying to make sure that we maintain a good eye health. So, uh, who is Dr. Gladys Ato? I think it's uh, the right time to give an opportunity to our guest tonight to introduce herself. Go ahead, Dr. Gladys. Well, thank you, Rezi, and everyone else who, had, who has joined in this space. And really, it's, it's a great opportunity for me to be speaking with everyone. My name is Gladys Ato. I am an eye doctor. Yeah, technically, we, we call ourselves ophthalmologists. I work in Moroto Regional Referral Hospital. Moroto is found in Karamoja, a sub-region in northeastern Uganda, one of the remotest areas in the country. Yes, I work as an eye doctor there, and at the moment, I'm working alone, something that I'm not proud of, um, because ideally, really, we need more eye doctors in a place that has a large population of about 1.2 million people. So there I'm still single-handedly working as the only doctor. And yes, uh, I have a great passion to, to, your, to see that where I work, people who 
are not supposed to go blind, what we call avoidable blindnesses, that they are not actually getting blind. So we try as much as possible as a team to see that people who need the eye care services access it. Yes. Razia, back to you. Uh, yes, and uh, the term ophthalmologist is quite heavy, and uh, I've read it somewhere that not every eye doctor, so to speak, is an ophthalmologist, which we have just very few, that's uh, four dozen in Uganda. So we want to know um, your professional journey, you know, coming to become an ophthalmologist. Well, uh, okay, so to become an ophthalmologist, you need to have done medicine for five years. I studied in Kampala International University, and there we do medicine for five and a half years, so it's uh, six months longer. So after finishing medicine, one needs to master in ophthalmology for three years, which I did from Barra University of Science and Technology. So not every doctor who finishes medicine is qualified enough to practice eye care. They can do general, you know, uh, diagnosis and identification of eye care conditions, but they cannot really go into detail of treating it. So it's, it's only someone who has done master's in eye care. Uh, after doing medicine that is able to actually diagnose and treat eye conditions and also do eye surgeries respectively. Yeah. Okay, thank you so much, uh, Dr. Gladys. You you have quite a number of years on your sleeves practicing uh, ophthalmology. So what have been what have been the challenges and rewards of practicing this um, you know me- medical uh, sector in Uganda? Well, eye care is rewarding. I mean, um, I think for every every profession that we choose, if you have passion for it, then it becomes really easy. I, I don't think any any medical field is easy to practice in, but but yes, if you go say for the money or for the prestige, then you may find it actually difficult. But practicing eye care has been really something enjoyable for me because it's been my passion. I I like to see people getting better with their eyes because to me, and the way many people know the eye, is like the window to the soul. If your eye is seeing well, then all the other aspects of your life, economically, socially, spiritually, you know, you can move on well with. So it's like taking care of people's eyes means you're improving every areas of their lives. And for me, it has been very rewarding, especially if I see someone who has been blind, you know, for, for several years from a course that is very avoidable, you know, and they just didn't know or they just didn't have access. And then after surgery, after working on them, they can see that that is the kind of joy that I always experience. And I think nothing can take that kind of reward from me. It's it's not something paid for, but it's good to see people's lives changing for the better. And that is the kind of work that I do every day. And I think it's very rewarding. The, the eyes are the windows to the soul. And um, for those who are joining us uh, right now, we are discussing uh, eye care. 
can you see the blind spots in Uganda's eye health? And by that, we are not just talking about the infrastructure and looking at it as a national problem. We're also looking at it as an individual problem. What can we do? Are we sure, for example, right now, the people who are listening right now, are we sure that we are okay in terms of our sight? Have we, you know, undertaken any routines recently to make sure we are okay in terms of our sight? Have we gone for maybe checkups to make sure we are just okay? So this is a, a two-way discussion. In terms of where the service is coming from, in terms of the infrastructure in place, and in terms of what we can do uh, individually to make sure we maintain a good eye health. So, Doctor, uh, we, we normally talk about a skincare routine, you know, jokingly, and it's a huge thing right now. People are taking skincare routine uh, very seriously. But today I want to ask you about uh, eye care routine and just... Um, did you do uh, something, for example, today, um, as far as eye care routine is concerned, something that maybe uh, some of us here eh, yeah. can, can start on our own, maybe at home? Okay, well, uh, okay, so we, we don't have really so many eye care routines. I think the basics is, is what many of us already do unknowingly, which is personal hygiene. So... When we are bathing, we're already washing our face. And and that is the most important thing is to maintain uh, facial hygiene. Like you mentioned earlier, in, in Uganda, we still have trachoma. And trachoma is basically an eye condition that is spread by flies. And so you find it very common in areas that have poor hygiene, areas of Karamoja, Busoga, and many other villages. So you find that flies are moving from one eye and jumping to the other. They're picking the mucus secretions from this other eye to the other. And it's mostly common in children. So they are the ones who spread trachoma so much because the flies love their faces and faces are dirty and all that. So facial hygiene is key, especially in areas that have um, water scarcity, areas like Karamoja, where we think that in our areas, we don't have really water scarce tap water is available. But in dry areas like Karamoja, it's water is challenging. And so we have to keep reminding people to practice facial hygiene. And then um, one of the routines that people can do, especially the educated ones who are working, you know, everyday students in classes, those who are using computers. It's, of course, very important to avoid eye strain. And in eye strain, that is what comes with fatigue as you keep looking at a near object. So many times people find that when they're using their computers. So it's a good practice to always, as you do near work on your computer, it's important that you also remember to look far. So every other, let me say every six minutes at least, after looking so closely at your computer, endeavor to look at a distant object because that helps to relax the lens in your eye so that it's not strained so much because when you're looking near, the lens constricts. And when you look far, the lens relaxes. So if you keep looking near without giving a break, that's what many people do when they're so busy, you know, reading for exams, doing, trying to meet um, a deadline at, at their workplaces. And so people end up with a lot of eye strain. But that's, those are simple eye routines, looking far, relaxing your eye, and then blinking. 
you know, as you're doing near work, many people forget that they need to blink often and and that causes their eye surfaces to dry and then they start feeling pain and then symptoms of, you know, eye strain as well. So blinking is a very simple routine. If you think you're watching a movie or doing something on your computer or looking close at your phone on social media, ensure that you blink. Um Oh, and those who drive, you know, long distances when you're driving, you're so much focusing. So those are the simple, simple routines that you can do, you know, looking far to relax your eyes, blinking and yeah, facial hygiene. That that is something you should do at least to to, to keep you healthy. Thank you. <laughs> well, those are really simple uh, steps, eh? yeah. simple acts. For example, blinking, but I'm just learning today. I was today's years old when I learned that blinking can actually help in avoiding eye strain while looking at uh, screens, watching TV or driving. So I'll try and practice that more. At least it's in my power. So is uh, maintaining good hygiene, washing my face, which is in my power. And I know the people who are listening, uh, many are also just learning about uh, blinking today. Of course, on this uh, space, we'll have an opportunity for our listeners to ask you one or two questions, maybe uh, 20 minutes to 9 p.m., so let's listen uh, carefully and prepare our questions for Dr. Gladys. It's a huge opportunity to have an expert here with us to talk about this very important uh, health matter. Dr. Gladys, 57% of uh, blindness in Uganda is caused by uh, cataracts. And we see from your tweets all the time, from your ex-posts, uh, talking about the, the surgeries that you are performing uh, in Karamoja, and most of them are on the removal uh, yeah. of cataracts. So how are these uh, cases uh, distributed in terms of age, for example, and why does it get to the alarming point? And I'm talking about age because I see uh, there's normally a disparity. You either have uh, very young or very old uh, patients. This is just from uh, looking at uh, your posts and your content, but you can tell us what you think. Do you have more people, younger people suffering from uh, uh, cataracts or older people? What's the pattern like? Okay, thank you. So, yeah, many people get worried when they when they see me posting uh, a lot about cataracts. Like last year, we, we did about 1,300 cataract surgeries and they keep asking questions like hey, is, 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 is cataract more common in Karamoja? Where is it? But the surgeries are very many. Can't it be prevented? But I think the questions come from a genuine point and so I think at this moment I just want to enlighten us uh, more about cataract. So basically cataract is clouding of the lens. Usually the lens is supposed to be clear but for some reason, with age, um, it, it gets really cloudy and, and starts getting brownish in color and that stops light from entering the, the back of the eye. Now, cataract, one of its main risk factors or causes is aging. And, you know, we cannot fight aging. Sometimes I joke with my friends uh, that, that cataract is a gift for those who want to live long because... If you live long, it means your lens is going to age. So it's not something that you can't prevent. You can only prevent it by dying early. Yeah, some people, uh, there, there are a few elderly people actually who reach 80 without 
having significant, we call it significant cataract, like it's not really, you know, pre- causing them severe blindness, but somehow they, they have the cataract. So yes, cataract is common. And according to World Health Organization, uh, for Africa, we are actually supposed to do 2,000 surgeries per year. So people might think I'm already doing a lot of cataract surgeries. Like last year I did 1,300, but that is not enough because in cataract surgery, we keep looking at the pool of people who are entering. We call it a bucket. So in, in an empty bucket, we have people who are getting cataracts every year. So you say people who are clocking 50 they start, most of them start getting cataracts. So they're entering the empty bucket. And now that empty bucket has to be cleared by doing surgery. So right now, the number of surgeries being done is not matching the number of people who are growing old and getting cataract surgery. So that's why the World Health Organization says for Africa, at least they should be doing um, 2,000 surgeries per 1 million population. And so if Karamoja has 1.2, a million population, that means doing uh, 2,000 surgeries. It's not even adequate. So the, the, the cry comes back to the human resource. If there is one eye doctor for 1.2 billion population and she can't do 2,000 surgeries, that means that cataract is still going to be a problem. But it's not a problem because it's supposed to be a problem. It's something avoidable. Cataract surgery is is done in a few minutes and someone is supposed to be able to see. But the only challenge is that people doing it are few and so many people also don't have access to the surgeries yes younger people can get cataract as well but the commonest cause of cataract is old age now there are other categories of people who can get cataract like if you have diabetes now diabetes can affect the lens of the eye and that means you can get clouding of the lens if you have poor sugar control so that can cause someone who's very young even a child can have cataract if they have diabetes. And then also there are rare conditions that people are born with. Like you can have a child who is born with cataract, like say some congenital conditions in the womb. Um, Say if the mother, if a pregnant mother had syphilis or any other condition that can make the child get cataract, like maybe drinking excessive alcohol, the child can be born with cataract. Now, those those are the forms that we call congenital, like they're inborn cataracts. And those can all be operated on because any forms of cataract can always be operated on. And then um, another risk is eye injury. Now, many people don't know this. You can have a blunt trauma, something hitting your eye like a ball, round ball hitting your eye while you're playing and you think it's not anything serious. But with time, because the 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 the, the object came in contact with the eye and gave a blunt force, the, the lens actually can start getting cloudy. So trauma, congenital issues and aging and people with diabetes, those are the people who are at risk of getting cataract. But the good news is that it's really it's really unavoidable cause of blindness and something can be done. And because cataract surgery can be done, that is what makes me happy that, you know, someone does not need to live with it. People just need to be aware that something can be done about it. Okay, those are very important um, tips and lessons, new information, by the way, that we are learning uh, tonight. So thank you so much, Doctor. In some communities, um, 
where you operate from age. So this, this you've already touched on it. And I was going to talk about the fact that um, we see, okay, the older people, of course, who are coming to receive the treatment. But but is it is it possible that for some of them they could have detected or preempted or anticipated a cataract and had the surgery uh, early? So maybe is it an issue of raising awareness in local communities? How is it working in Karamoja? Yeah, so, so the biggest challenge actually is access to to cataract surgeries and, and access um, can can be categorized into many forms, including awareness, lack of awareness, uh, the, the human resources that is providing the surgery and all that. Uh, in, in Karamoja, mainly what I see is that people stay very far because remember the regional referral hospitals in Moroto and all the other nine districts, so, no, sorry, eight districts of Karamoja are like a hundred plus kilometers. And these are people who don't work. They just stay in the villages. They're not educated. They don't know that even there's some eye care services being offered. And also of in the past years, many elderly people just know that when you grow old, you know, your vision gets poorer. And so they think it's a normal aging process and nothing can be done about it. So you find that that lack of knowledge about the available services also limits people from accessing the services. And then there are those who are generally just fearful of surgery. Anything to do with touching their eye, they can be like, I would rather just die with my eyes in and not touched than going through surgery. I've met patients like that who are very old and they, they say that there's, there's, there's no need undergo pain they're not seeing but they're not having pain and that's the thing with cataract so it's not painful so someone can live peacefully with it because they think other areas of their lives are okay it's only their vision and so that can kill them so the access part attitude is so much um, preventing people from accessing the surgeries so awareness creation is what we try to venture into trying to you know do a lot of community sensitization letting people know that these services are available and and we use people who have done surgeries before have had surgeries to you know to tell their there are other people who are not seeing well and have cataracts that they've undergone surgeries and it wasn't painful and now they can't see. Actually, their reports always excite the rest and then they end up coming. But generally, it's not just Karamoja. Many people, elderly people are a bit, you know, kind of reserved. And most of the elders were not educated. I think the, the, the team of... Uh, the clique of the population that is getting educated is now the, the us who are growing, who might be more aware of these services. But I still think here, us and the government, each of us is responsible for creating this awareness. And if we see an elder at home, we shouldn't leave them. We should let them know that there is an option. At least someone should just refuse. But also, again, what you talked about prevention in, in cataract, we can't say we do primary prevention because there are types of prevention. Primary prevention is something you do before a disease occurs and then secondary is after a disease has already occurred. You're trying to treat what has occurred. So in cataract surgery, we don't have primary prevention, especially for the aging process. Maybe we can prevent getting injured. We can prevent by, you know, reducing our blood sugar in case we have diabetes. But for the aging process, definitely you can't prevent being old. So mainly cataract surgery is a secondary prevention. So it's good to identify someone who has cataract early 
so that they get surgeries early. Now, if someone who has cataract stays for long, like say 10 years with it, chances are they'll have complications during surgery increases like by 50%. So yes, we encourage people for good outcomes after surgeries, they need to actually have their cataract surgeries done much, much earlier. In developing countries, cataract is done very early when people are just seeing, you know, a, a little distortion in their vision. Many people start realizing that they have issues with their lens when they're driving an oncoming light flashing into their eyes causes their vision into this array like things that's become black totally that's the first sign that actually they might be having cataracts so they come for checks but in africa we are still really trying to struggle and create awareness so that people can have surgeries done early yeah, because I was going to ask you about uh, early detection and some of the, you know, practices that we can adopt individually. Of course, we all want to live long and, and, and grow old, but we also want to be able to see. Reza, you have muted yourself. Yes, I was saying that we, I was going to ask you about uh, early detection and preventive measures. You've already explained uh, the preventive uh, part, which is that with the cataract, we are not able to, you know, perform uh, preventive measures, the primary preventive measures. Yeah. So, but. How about um, early detection, and how about uh, other 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 eye conditions other than trachoma and uh, cataracts? I know we're talking about these two because they are the commonest uh, causes of blindness in Uganda. But how about the other conditions? Yeah, that's 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 a good one. For for the other eye conditions, we we have an upper hand in doing regular eye checks. You know, it's it's always good good practice to once in a while, at least once a year. That's what we recommend that people pass by the eye hospital and have one their visual acuity checked. So when your visual acuity is being checked, that's the distance that you can see from the charts that we give you to read. And that's a very, very sensitive test. Many people think it's just playing around reading letters and here and there, but it really tells a lot about how your eyes is functioning. So if you, you, if you have a reduced visual acuity, we can only detect it there. Many times people don't know that they have reduced vision. So it's important to do screening early. And uh, besides doing visual acuity, we check um, eye pressure. People fully know about pressure in their body. Many people don't know that. The eye pressure is also very important. So the eye is like a ball. What keeps the ball turbid is the pressure air that is in the ball. And that is the same thing with the eye. What keeps it not to, you know, fall flat is because there's some pressure, minimal pressure that is supposed to keep it turbid. And so we can check that, especially for those who are already um, getting older, like 40 to 40 plus years because we have a condition called glaucoma that old age is also a risk factor. So as people approach 40, the pressures in their eyes starts rising and that usually causes what we call glaucoma. And the thing with glaucoma is that it's not like cataract. It's once it starts destroying your vision, it's very irreversible. So it's it's something that we really, we really look and, and want to sensitize people about because many people don't know about eye conditions. So glaucoma is a very sensitive thing because it can cause irreversible, 
irreversible blindness. The only thing we can detect is by checking the pressure in the eye. And it's a very, very easy procedure to do. There's no pain involved. It's not like surgery. So that is part of eye screening. And then there are people who, you know, have refractive errors, but they don't know. And that can also be checked during visual acuity. You can tell actually if you have a refractive error and then we do refraction and, and see how to prescribe for you glasses uh, and where to get them from. There are those who are very sensitive to light and that screening can also be done and you'll be advised accordingly. And then there, there are other eye conditions that can only really be detected when you come to the eye unit, you know. So if you feel any pain in the eye, it's not good to neglect it and wait for many days before you come to the hospital. Many of the blinding eye conditions, there's a condition called uveitis where you find the eye gets really inflamed. It's, it can blind you in one week if you delay at home. And that can only be detected when you come for an eye check. So it would, if you feel severe pain, just don't sit home. There are people with allergic conjunctivitis. They're reacting to various things. And that much as allergies cannot be cured, but their symptoms can really be reduced. And so that also needs coming for eye check immediately. So I cannot really overemphasize the fact that people should come for eye checks as early as they feel anything. If you feel any any foreign body like soil or what in the eye, it's important to come. Sometimes people have objects in their eyes and it's causing them irritation and they're staying for weeks at home. They have no idea. There are people who prefer to share medication with their neighbors. Oh, because the neighbor had used this and it was helpful. They prefer to go use it, and that is the most dangerous thing you can do for your eyes. And then also, there are some times where um, people prefer to buy over-the-counter medications, and that is risky because many times you'll find eye drops you're using that are sold, and they have steroids, and that can have detrimental effects in the eye. So the list is really very long. But the key thing is, if you have any problem, if you wake up and you're not seeing well, just come and be checked. If you feel any pain, you feel like something is in the eye, any change from the normal, let your eye be checked before you think about having treatment on your own. Yeah. And then, like I said before, at least once in a year, pass by, have your eyes checked. They said you'll thank me later. Yeah. So, uh, doctor, you know, we normally say, oh, listen to your body. We hardly say listen to your eyes or watch your eyes. I don't know what would be the appropriate phrase there. What? So we'll be listening to our eyes more, I guess. Yeah. And uh, doctor, there's a myth maybe that I want you to bust. You know, sometimes you've grown up uh, with with friends or even uh, relatives, and after a couple of years, you meet them and they are wearing glasses. And some of those guys are normally told, oh. The more you wear those glasses, the more you're damaging your eyes. What do we? Why do we think like this? Well, I don't know why that. That's really a common thought with with many people. It's it's not even just that people will not even allow their children to wear glasses because they'll be like, oh, how can my child start wearing glasses at say two years or something like that? But what I can say is that if you need glasses then you need it. It's like a walking stick. I mean, those who need walking sticks, I don't say that today I'm going to leave it 
and then move without it because you really need it. If you can leave the walking stick behind, behind, then it means you don't need it. The same thing, if you really can leave your glasses behind and you don't need to use it, then it means that you actually don't need the glasses. But actually those who know and know that they have significant refractive error and they actually see blurred things without the glasses, they know the importance of wearing the glasses. So there are people who have myopia. Myopia is what commonly people call short-sightedness. So now what causes it is that it's the structural changes in the eye many times. So you find that people have myopia because their eyeball is longer. So the light rays that are, are, are bending because light, has, light rays have to be refracted to enter the retina. So you find that the light rays that are bending is not reaching the retina many times because their eyeball is longer. Now, many people with that type of myopia, their eyeball keeps lengthening, like it keeps growing. And that means their refractive error keeps worsening. But it doesn't mean that the glasses is the one that is worsening the refractive error. So that is very key. So we endeavor to explain to those types of people that, you know, over the years, the power of the glasses that you're going to use will change. So it's very common in myopia. For those who have hyperopia, what we call the long sightedness, they're mostly stable and they don't need uh, a change of glasses with time. But then there's also a category of people um, who need reading glasses. Yes, reading glasses, you'll also need to keep changing it almost every year because reading glasses, people need them when they clock 40 and the lens is growing older and it cannot now change shape easily. And so reading near things becomes difficult. Reading tiny words become difficult at 40 years. So you find that the, the lens keeps aging every year and stabilizes maybe at around 60 or so there. And so within every year, you keep changing the reading glasses and the power keeps getting higher. So, so the thing is, it's not the glasses that is making your eyes worse. The eye is changing and that is it. I hope that really helps. Um, yes, yes, it does, uh, Doctor. Thank you so much for that um, very, very clear explanation. I, I know so many people see what you do and they wonder, okay, uh, Dr. Gladys Atto is providing free um, eye care services. And uh, in some areas, people are asking, why can't we get the same services here? In some areas, people are paying a lot of money. For example, in Kampala, people are paying a lot of money to have uh, maybe a surgery to correct uh, refractive errors. But you've been working, of course, with uh, NGOs, uh, international uh, partners. You work at Moroto Regional Referral Hospital, which is, of course, a government facility, but very difficult to access for the people in the nine uh, Karamoja districts. So how, uh, first of all, when we say Dr. Gladys provides free uh, eye care, what does that mean? How would you explain it to someone that you provide free um, eye care services. Okay, thank you. So basically, at every regional referral hospital, like all the other healthcare services are supposed to be free. So eye care is not exceptional. The only issue is that eye care has not um, been relatively well funded by the government. So in all these past years, 
many of the of the eye medications and the things that we use in treating eye eye care conditions are not actually supplied. You know, National Medical Source Tours supplies all the eye medications and, and things that are needed and all the medications needed at every government hospital. So you find that the, the, the essentialist um, for eye care things is very limited. So you find that the eye drops that are supplied at regional referrals are very few and not just few, they're also limited in in terms of quality and the, the types that we want that will actually adequately treat people. And then when it comes to surgery, there are things that are needed, like for, for the cataract surgeries that we do so frequently, the lenses are not supplied by the government, there are other tools that we use during surgeries, all those are not supplied by the government. So you find that, so you can't blame the other regional referrals or hospitals that don't have support that they have to charge. So basically people pay, in other regional forums, they pay to buy the cataract kit, like the entire tools and medications that are going to be used during the surgery. So they basically pay for it, but they're not paying the human resource for the surgery. So in Moroto Regional Referral Hospital, luckily, some people complain so much why I, they, they think I display my work a lot, but the display of the work is sort of an advocacy to try to show that this is what I'm doing. And those who can, you know, provide support in different ways can, you know, come in, chip in to provide uh, support for, for, for surgeries. Because Karamoja, as you know, it's not like other places in Uganda, people are really poor and they can't afford the surgeries if they're to pay. They can't afford to buy eye drops if it's not there. So you can't send someone and say, go buy this from a pharmacy. They won't. They'll just go back home. So what we do, we have support from side savers mainly and other well-wishers, by the way, who keep supplying us with eye medications and things that we need for surgery. So that's how I end up doing really free eye surgeries. So the, the, the support is very tremendous and I appreciate it so much that I'm able to, you know, support people who are not able to pay for surgeries because an organization or some other well-wisher in the community is able to give us what we need for, for surgery. So basically that's why we say we have free eye care, but there are other areas which we can't say are free. Like we can't give glasses for distance vision, like those who have myopia uh, or short-sightedness and long-sightedness, we can give you glasses because those are really very expensive and they need to be tailor-made for someone. So all we can do is tell you that you have the problem, refract you and get the powers that you need and then you go buy it from somewhere else. So yes, if you come and there are things that are not supplied, definitely we can't say that is free. So, So actually at the moment, I don't know whether I should say that our services are entirely free or someone is funding it. Yeah, but basically for cataract surgeries, we try. And treating other eye conditions because we have the medicine supplied by the different organizations that help us. Okay, Dr. Gladys, thank you so much. My name is Samuel Ankuba. Yes. I'm in Kalangala district, Sase Islands. Uh, in line to this question, we see like uh, in Kalangala where... Um, people can't even access uh, some services um, because of the nature of the geographical scope of the area. Uh, what do you think the government can do and uh, NGOs, even the uh, international corporations, in improving uh, this uh, eye health care, uh, mainly for us in islands and other areas where access is a bit uh, poor? Well, thank you. 
you know, there are still many regional referral hospitals that don't have even a single eye doctor. And so places like Kalangala, it would be actually good if, if they had an eye doctor who would start advocating for you know, eye care services to reach there. But at the moment, because there is no eye doctor there, um, I'm not sure if they have the lower cadre eye care workers like the ophthalmic clinic officers. Those are diploma holders who are trained in eye care particularly. If those are there, then those would be the people to actually be treating general eye conditions and referring the, the, the hard cases to, say, Kampala or something like that. But right now, something that would be workable would be the same uh, system that we are using in Karamoja is to do outreaches, like tech services closer to the people. So what they could do is, if there are clinic officers there, they could do screening and say if they have... In a month, they've got like, say, 50 patients who need surgery or who need uh, specialized eye care services from a doctor. And those are not like emergency services. Then then an outreach needs to be done. They can do that and then they, they see the liars with an ophthalmologist who can go there, camp there for a week and do the surgeries or do the treatment. But you see, all that comes back to funding. I'm only able to do outreaches because another organization is funding. I am supposed to do outreaches as a government eye care worker funded by government, but because there's no funding for that, that means someone else has to come in. So it all zeroes back to funding. If funding is available, outreaches will be easily done and that should be able to solve the problems like in Kalangala. Okay. Uh, thank you, Edita. Now, a little bit here. Hmm. Okay, go ahead. You can just ask uh, one question and then we give uh, George Ofono an opportunity to ask as well. Um, for, on behalf of our audience, there are some two questions. Sorry. There are some two questions in the reply section. This is Lumi Defakin. It's saying, ask for me, Dr. Gladys, can poison affect eyes when taken? Because I have my inner who is affected by poison, he taken unknowingly, uh, but up to now, he is losing the sight. And then the second question is from Job Apoli. Uh, he was asking about how shall we avoid optical challenges in this era where we are exposed to computers, smartphones, and other gadgets most uh, hours of the day. Uh, those were the two questions from our audience I wanted to put across. Okay, thank you. Um, for the first question about poisoning, um, poisoning is very broad. But usually the, the kind of um, um, poisons that we see in eye care mainly are direct on the eye. So if you have some chemical or some poison splashing directly in your eyes, then that really can affect vision. General poison in the body may not directly affect the eye. It may or may not. It's really hard to say that it has directly affected. You know, many times someone can might already be having an eye condition that was waiting to manifest, and then something else happens, and then it it gets attributed to to that. But it's 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 rare uh, to say that a poison that has not killed you will go and only kill the eye. So many, if, if the poison has actually gone to do a lot of damage on you, then you would say that, yeah, maybe it can go, you know, damage the eye directly, but it's, it's really a rare okay, uh, happening. 
in in Karamoja where I work, um, people get lots of you know snake poisoning from cobras that like spitting direct into the eye because it's a dry desert area. So there are such snakes that do that. So mainly we get really chemical poisoning in the eye direct. That's what we would fear most. But from the body, it's it's the risk is very, very, very minimal. So check with your patient. Most likely they already had something before. So I would advise that you first let them have their eyes checked by, by an eye doctor, and then it will be easy to, to come to a conclusion of what could have happened to the eye. And then about computer use, the second question, many people think that it's the computers and the phones that are spoiling their eyes, but the answer is a no. Using computers, using phones, really do not spoil anyone's eye. Um, because if it did, then most eye doctors themselves basically would be blind because whatever equipment we use, actually we, we keep looking into the light, brighter lights than even the ones for the computer during surgeries. When I spend the whole day in theater, I'm basically using light for surgery and lights on a microscope, lights on a slit lamp for examination. So it's really not the light that really affects the eye. Some people, uh, f- um, try to investigate uh, blue light, and you can you can see the sales of some glasses. I hear these they obstruct blue light, but even your computers have those options. You know, you can actually they call it protection something. You can actually use that, but there's no evidence that act that has actually come up to show that blue light really, really can cause eye issues. The only thing is that, like I said, as as people age, reach 40, reading tiny letters becomes a problem, but that has got nothing to do with the computers. As long as you practice good, um, good, good, um, what do you say, behaviors, like I said in earlier at the beginning, blink frequently, don't overstare at your computer close without looking far take seconds, minutes to look at a distant object and come back to do your near work. It's like you have to create that balance so that you don't have eye strain. And then many people actually have some minimal refractive errors, which they don't think need glasses. But then when they're using their computers, it gets worse. So then they think that they have a lot of eye strain compared to other people who don't have any issues. So it's a bunch of things that you need eye checks for just to be sure that you don't even have a very small refractive error. It can be very, very serious when you're doing near work and computer work. But generally, computers and doing watching screen and what they don't directly spoil anyone's eyes. Uh, okay, doctor, thank you for clarifying. In one minute, uh, George, if you can hear me, you could put up uh, your question to Dr. Gladys at all. So we wrap this up quickly. Yes, doctor, sorry that uh, I might I joined late and I might have lost this. Uh, doctor, giving an account that um, uh, it is quite expensive to treat the eyes if somebody is go- to go for a private hospital. I can give an example like uh, Bendicta and I hospital here in Tororo. Uh, what can be the easiest precautionary ways that someone can take in order to avoid eye-related diseases? Well, that that is really broad because there are so many eye conditions. Um, if you talk about eye conditions, I will lead you to 
to have eye surgeries, uh, you came late, yes. When we were talking about cataract, we already said that cataract is mainly a gift of aging. Like as you grow old, somehow you're going to get cataract at least in your life, so you'll need the surgery. So there are eye conditions that cannot really be avoided. But infectious eye conditions can be avoided, like trachoma, because we know what is causing it is, you know, poor hygienic processes and... Um, that can be treated. So eye conditions that can be treated should be treated early. So that can only be discovered through frequent eye checks. Like I said, if you feel anything different in your eye, have it checked earlier. The only worrying thing is about glaucoma, which I said is like happens when you have an increase in the pressure in your eye and it's painless. And so many people don't know that their vision is actually being lost slowly. And what can only save us all is as you reach 40 years of age, it's good to always have a yearly checkup for for eye pressure so that you know that it's within normal ranges and so your eyes won't just go blind irreversibly. So frequent checks is the key, basically. And if you feel anything, anything that you feel is out of the normal, don't let it slip over. Go see an eye doctor and let it be checked out. That is all that I can say. Uh, thank you, Doctor. I'm wondering if uh, anyone is blinking. Please take a second or two to blink. Huh? If you're looking at your screen, take a second or two to blink. Maybe a microsecond. So, George, that's one of the 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 the. the should I call it activities? By the way, things that you can do on your own, you know, to prevent uh, eye strain. And of course, eye strain can result into um, uh, eye conditions. And we've come to the end of this discussion. Can you see the blind spots in Uganda's eye care? And thank you so much, Dr. Gladys. Of course, you've uh, really given us the vision and, 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 and really uh, supported our site in as far as uh, understanding uh, the eye health uh, system uh, individually, what we need to do to maintain good eye health and also as a country what's being done and where are the opportunities to promote uh, Uganda's eye health. So thank you so much, uh, Dr. Gladys Ato. And I want to thank everyone who has been able to, you know, uh, stay here with us for one hour on this uh, X space under uh, the Vision uh, podcast. Vision podcast is a group of so many uh, podcasts under New Vision or Vision Group, and you can find all our podcasts on www.newvision.co.ug forward slash podcast or you can download our application, the Vision Digital Experience app. You can also find our podcasts on uh, your own uh, favorite podcasting platform, whether be it uh, Spotify, uh, be it Soundbean, be it uh, Google Podcasts. You can find all uh, Vision Group podcasts on there. So thank you so much, Dr. Gladys. I see there are people who are requesting to speak, but... We've come to the end. I'm afraid we can't go uh, any longer. So, Dr. Gladys, if you have just one word for us, I want to wish everyone here a good night and a fruitful week ahead. Thank you. I would like to also wish everyone a good night. And the the, the emphasis about blinking is important. Uh, so anytime you blink, remember that you're, you're distributing tears on your eye surface. There, there's a number of seconds that tears is supposed to stay 
on your eye without drying. So that's why blinking is very important. When you don't blink, you're going to feel eye strain. You're going to feel like this soil in your eyes. You're going to feel eye pain, especially when you're doing near work. So that's a very, very, very simple thing to do for your eye health every day. And be each other's watchman. And let's advocate for, for good eye health in Uganda. Because that, that is my plea and that is what I fight for, that no one should ever go blind from a course that is avoidable. So be on the lookout and let's fight for good eye health in Uganda. Thank you. Okay, thank you so much, everyone. And we are out.